there's a tug of war that's happening. The initial tug of war was for your eternal soul, your eternal spirit, which was dead to God. When you confessed, assuming you have confessed Jesus as Lord and, and placed your trust in him as Savior, then your spirit came to life. You were born again. Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of you. And the tug of war changed from an eternal tug of war to a more temporal tug of war, not for the uh, eternal where your spirit was going to live and where your soul was going to live, but for what would be the fruit of your soul while you're living here. The, the typical definition of your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's kind of like um, the net of your person that you would know. The, the, the person that you know as Pat Brady is, is my soul. That, that's who you would know. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So there's this tug of war back and forth between God and his resources and Satan and his resources for the fruit of your soul. So if I can capture your mind and I can help you to think in a way that's negative, then I can affect your emotions in such a way that you can be harmful to yourself and to other people. The other side of that equation would be if through your spirit, evil's access is, my best guess, is through your flesh, both have access to your mind. God has just ordained it to be that way. Scripture teaches and shows and demonstrates that, that both the enemy and God have access to our thoughts. And it's through that thought life that they're trying to bring about either excellent, wonderful fruit from our souls on God's side or ugly, nasty fruit from our souls on the enemy's side. So through our spirit, God is trying to influence the way we think, which will drive the way we act. Satan and his demons are trying to influence the way we think, which will influence the way we act. The tools that they use to influence our soul and the, the bad side is deception and lies, right? If you're a Christian, he has no authority, all authority. Jesus said before he went up to heaven, he said, all authority has been given to me. It's all spiritual authority, all natural authority, all authority. So the only time that evil has any authority over us is when we give it to him. You've heard me say over and over again, you empower who you agree with. You empower what you agree with. So if Satan speaks a lie into my mind, a deception into my mind, into my thoughts, and I, and I agree with that, now it, it's, it's not so obvious that it would be always easy to disagree with, right? You heard me repent. The Holy Spirit convicted me of a conversation that I had with Teresa this morning. I mean, literally in the midst of preparing sermons, being so deeply immersed in this whole conversation, I still stumbled. I still put a stumbling block in front of my wife. So his, his attack isn't so subtle as to come and say, hey, Pat, you know, I'm looking to mess you up in your relationship with your wife, so I'm going to feed you some poison. If you would just consume it you know, aggressively and just really hold on to it, I'll be real successful. Would you do that for me? Pat, it's never like that. It's always very subtle. And it always tweaks me in my flesh. And when it gets me, it always produces bad fruit, really bad fruit. Happened this morning. Had to repent from it. The good news is, you know, not that, wow, you have all this revelation and, and you struggle. I, I do struggle. But the, the difference is I stumble way, way less than I ever used to stumble. I fully anticipate a time when I don't stumble at all. That my mind is so surrendered to the Lord that, that there won't be a place where he can prick at me and cause me to stumble in such a way that I would cause my wife to be sad 
or my daughter or one of you or who knows who, you know, the guy on the road a year or so ago. I really believe that's true. The other thing that's really excellent is the guy on the road. Yeah, you all heard that testimony. Yeah, I'm not sharing that one again. <laughs> You'll have to get the tape. It is recorded for all of posterity's sake. The other thing that really is, is hopeful for me and, and, and makes me happy is that not only does it happen less, but when it happens, it's so much more obvious to me than it used to be. What used to be, whether, you know, Teresa might have a stumble and, or I might have a stumble, would be three days' worth of bad life is now three minutes' worth of bad life and maybe 15 minutes' worth of wrestling it to the ground and then we move on and we're okay again. It didn't used to be that way. It really didn't. So there is huge victory that's happening in my heart and in my mind, in Teresa's heart and in her mind, in, in all of you if, if, if you've been abiding in Jesus and in his teaching, that even though we might stumble, it, it's not an issue that isn't over, uh, we're not able to overcome. All things are possible for God. All things are possible for him who believes. And this is just a, a teaching on what's going on so that you'll be aware. The Bible says we should be aware of his schemes and how he operates. So his tool is deception and lies. The only time he has authority is when we give him authority. God's weapon is truth. Through the Holy Spirit, through his word, that's kind of how this whole thing is playing itself out. There is um, one piece that I added last week that maybe I'll, I'll touch on with the scripture again. And that is right here. Matthew 6, and 23 reads, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. And if your body is full of light, then the fruit of your soul is going to be goodness. It's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That kind of fruit. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And the point of the little eyeball here is that you choose. Now, you, you don't necessarily know you're choosing darkness when you choose darkness, because if you knew, you wouldn't choose it, right? This morning, when I put the stumbling block in front of Teresa, I didn't consciously choose darkness. I didn't say, you know what? I'm going to throw this in front of Teresa and try to see if I can get her to fall. No way. I stumbled. It's choice. It really is choice. I didn't know I was making a choice, but I made a choice. I literally made a choice. Sin is not my master. Righteousness is my master. I have the Holy Spirit. I don't have to be controlled by sin. Now, if, if I don't develop a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit through understanding and knowing his word, then it's really easy for me to be deceived and I'll stumble and stumble and stumble and stumble and stumble. doesn't mean I'm not saved. It just means I haven't sown into the relationship to the point where I have the ability to capture the deception quickly. Okay, So we have to choose. Will we allow our eye, the light, to be real light or darkness that fills us up so that the, the fruit of us will be reflected in light or darkness, the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. Okay. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, I, Jesus, came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's there's so much more to where we could go with this teaching. As a matter of fact, I, I took a ton out yesterday because 
it was excellent and true, but it wasn't relative to the specific conversation around having life and having it abundantly. Having life in relationship with your wife or your husband or your children or your neighbors or your brothers and sisters in the Lord or even literally relationship with yourself. But I took it out. So I'm going to try to stay very focused, but I don't want you to think that this is the only conversation that this, this uh, kill, steal, and destroy versus abundant life That's it right there in that scripture. That's the battle. That's the tug of war. Satan and his demons pulling against our souls, I think, by way of our flesh to produce darkness and death. Jesus, on the other hand, or God, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, by way of our spirit, trying to fill us with light so that the fruit will be kingdom light. But that's the tug of war. He came to bring death. Jesus came to bring life. And not just a little bit life, but abundant life. Jesus, again, in John chapter 8 and verse 44, now he's speaking to these religious guys, but there's some truth in here that you need to really, really, really grasp onto and believe. Matter of fact, the first truth you have to believe is this is really happening. This morning, when I, when I caused the stumbling block, I got help. Like there was a demon shooting a flaming arrow into my mind, that my shield of faith didn't capture. I mean, it, it's an actual thing that's going on. It's not just cool Bible stories. It's not just like uh, word pictures. It's truth. It's happening. And if we don't grasp that, then you'll see in some of the scriptures I'm going to read you today, it says that your battle is not against flesh and blood. See, Teresa would have perceived me as the enemy. I'm just this little goofball pawn that he tugged on my string and got me to move. I'm like a marionette. And, you know, if, if I let him pull on my strings and move in a certain way, I create his fruit. If she's not conscious and, and really understanding and believing this is going on, then she'll direct her, I don't want to say anger, I won't put words in her, her response, good word, you should preach, um, she'll direct her response towards me. And now I'm already in stumble land, right? So I'm going to redirect mine back towards her, and the demon that's causing this whole mess to happen is just having a field day with us. The issue is not me, mostly. (laughs) It's the influence. And if we don't believe that's what's going on, we'll spend all our time fighting with each other, and the real battle will never get addressed. Okay. So Jesus says, you, (laughs) you those guys, not us, you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his, from his very own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He speaks never any truth because there is no truth in him. How do you battle a liar? Amen. With the truth. With the truth. I'm going to say it a hundred times today. The, 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 the answer is the truth. The key is the truth. Everything is about truth. It's all about truth. He's a liar. You battle a liar with the truth. Okay. Let me read you the two primary scriptures that we're going to speak from today. The first is 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, 3 through 5. And then the second is Ephesians chapter 6, 11 through 17. So the 2 Corinthians scriptures. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. 
we are destroying speculations, or in the King James, imaginations. We're destroying speculations or imaginations, and every lofty thing raised up or that exalts itself, raised up or exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Man, if you, if you could get that scripture, like, get that God loves you, then get this. It's like, sorry, kingdom of light all day long. Okay, then in Ephesians, uh, uh, similar, but not necessarily parallel to the scriptures, Paul says this, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but again, now he's talking about room, or rumor, <laughs> rulers, demons. Right now he's talking about demons. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, people, but against demons, the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in, heaven, in the heavenly places. Let me just stop here for a second. The Bible speaks to three heavens, right? When we think of heaven, we think of the place where God lives, where we want to spend eternity, right? We think of it, that, would be, that would be kind of loosely considered in an eternal concept as the third heaven. This natural realm where if you pinch me, I feel it, where if you lean against a tree, you don't fall over, the, the physical, natural world would be the first heaven. The second heaven would be this, this realm of the spirit where Satan would be called the prince of the power of the air, not necessarily air like we know in atmosphere, but as a picture kind of like of the air, that's the second heaven. That's the heavenly places that Paul is talking about in these scriptures. When you, when you read in the book of Daniel that uh, he asked God a question, and, and then for like 21 days he waits for the answer. But the, the answer was dispatched immediately. God sent an angel to bring the answer to Daniel, just literally as soon as he asked the question. When the angel gets to Daniel, he says he was withheld, by the prince of Persia, this demonic, I don't know, principality between the third heaven and the first heaven that was trying to stop the answer that God had sent to Daniel to his question about his people. So the angel had to say, listen, God, you know, he wasn't sleeping when you were praying to him. He heard you, he responded, but I was held up by this prince of Persia, one of these principalities, this huge demonic force, until the archangel, the chief prince Michael, was dispatched on my behalf that I might break through and come and bring you the answer to the prayer that you prayed to God. It's real. That's what he's talking about here. This is where the battle is. It's in the second heaven with the influence of these demonic spirits. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our battle is not with people, but the influence on people. I mean, say that back to yourself in your mind. My battle is not with, it's with the influence. Their battle is not with me, it's with the influence. If we gain control of the influence, if we just erase this whole thing over here, then relationship is excellent. Life is full, life is abundant, just like Jesus purchased for us. It isn't like he wasn't able. It's like there's a battle going on. Okay.
because I can't even remember from my own notes. I just, I, I'll make a point. Maybe I'm going to make it twice, but just to be sure I don't forget. Paul says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The flaming arrows of the evil one are thoughts. They're the attack on your mind. They're the thought that says, who knows what, about somebody, or that they said about you. It, it's love says there's, you, you don't keep any record of wrongs. When you're, in a, when you're in a thing with somebody that you're supposed to be loving, and you remember the wrongs, flaming arrow. Don't take credit for that thought. See, not every thought is your own. Some of them are from God. Thank you very much. Some of, some of them are from the enemy. The trick is to discern them. When he says flaming arrow, that's what he's talking about. And I'll explain how the shield of faith works in a minute. Okay. Everything boils down to truth. Seeking truth, knowing truth, choosing to agree with truth. You ever been in a situation where you know you're wrong? That you're holding on to a bad position and you fight it anyway? Not even a losing position, because sometimes you can win from a bad position, right? I mean, the Lions win every once in a while on a Sunday. <laughs> Sorry. But the point is, you know better. You know you're wrong, but you fight anyway. Part of having truth set you free is to agree with truth, even when it ain't your side of the argument, right? Okay. Seeking the truth, knowing the truth, choosing to agree with the truth, and allowing the truth to expose lies and deception, even, even when they're things that are hurtful. Not, not mean hurtful, but they're painful for us. You know, the things that we push down, that we push down. I don't want to have to confront that. I don't even, I don't even acknowledge that it's real. But truth says it's in there because you're behaving a certain way. Let's get that out and deal with it. You even have to allow truth to expose those things that are very painful to your heart. Paul said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Let me just take a minute and talk about fortresses. I've tried and tried and tried to, to figure out, I really feel like I understand in my mind what a, fort, what a biblical fortress is, but I don't feel like I'm very excellent at articulating it. And, and maybe the simplest, simplest definition of a biblical fortress that Paul's talking about in this scripture is not truth. That could be how you think of a fortress. I have fortresses in my mind, yes, and it's not truth. And then the fortress becomes a lens by how you see life. So if you were um, you know, in some way harmed, maybe you had an abusive parent or something as a child, or better, maybe even better, easier one is, um, when you were a little kid, maybe your parents never really took you to church too much, you, know, you never had a lot of Bible conversation in your house, but... When you did something wrong or, or they were concerned you might do something wrong, they said, you better be careful. God's watching you. God sees, you know, you know what hell is like. God's watching you. He's watching you. And, and you'd build up this perception of God that he's this guy who loves nothing better than to catch you doing something wrong. But we heard today that's not the case, right? I mean, literally a word from heaven. God spoke to, to this church this morning that that's not the case. But, but you build up this perception of who God is, and then your life, maybe you even get born again and you get saved. And, and in the process of trying to walk with Jesus, you got this something that's always tough. It's because there's a fortress that's not truth, that's been built in your mind, 
through the flaming arrows of the enemy into somebody else's head. They spoke to you, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So now you see God the Father, the one who would be so gracious as to send his only begotten son to suffer the most horrible thing on your behalf as this mean person that's just trying to wait for an opportunity for you to mess up so that he can send you to hell. That's a fortress. Make sense? Okay. Paul goes on and he says, in the Ephesian scriptures, therefore take up the full armor of God. Therefore is therefore because of what comes before that our battle is against these wicked, demonic, spiritual forces. There's a number of pieces of armor, and I used to think there was a huge like relevance to um, the helmet of salvation, like, like salvation in the helmet was really important, or the breastplate of righteousness as a breastplate. But if you look through scripture, sometimes salvation is called a shield or a breastplate, and sometimes it's a helmet. I don't think there's any necessary, uh, necessarily any really important connection between which piece of armor he's talking about, maybe the exception being the sword, and, and what it does. Okay, so there's four pieces of the total. Rather than try to explain, you know, a helmet is this or salvation or whatever, there's four that I think paint a really excellent picture of how they work. And those are the ones I'm going to speak to today. The first is gird your loins with truth. Second is put on the breastplate of righteousness. The third, the shield of faith with which you will extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the fourth, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, the armor... When we first, when Teresa and I first were, you know, young Christians and someone was teaching on this, bless their heart, they were awesome, but they taught us that you would, you would get up every single morning and you would, you would say, I put on my breastplate of righteousness and I take up my shield of faith. And, and somehow it was like you could make this declaration and these things would protect you. That's not how they work. The, the armor itself is literally truth righteousness, faith, and God's word. The armor is truth. It's not some thing, it's truth. The armor isn't a breastplate or some declaration that you make. You are protected when you have righteousness. Okay? So the the pictures are excellent because they help us to think, and and they were in a culture that was kind of you know subdued by Rome, so they knew what a Roman soldier looked like, and they could they could make a mental picture. But the picture you have to make in your mind is what protects you is truth, what protects you is righteousness, what protects you is faith, what protects you is God's word. We gird ourselves with truth by seeking, knowing, choosing to agree with, embracing, and living what truth teaches. Okay? You're guarded by truth. You're guarded from all this stuff when you embrace this. Righteousness guards us like a breastplate or any other thing you want to pick when we obey and live what truth teaches. Ephesians 4, this isn't a perfect example, but it's the one I could think of. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. See, when we live what truth teaches, that is truth. It's God's word. It's truth. When we live what truth teaches, it protects us. So if I don't let the sun go down on my anger, if if I have some kind of issue, right? Jesus said, if you have an offering that you're bringing to God himself, 
but you got a brother who's got something against you, like you needed to fix it. He said, just, just put the offering over here. Go make right with your brother. Then bring me your offering. That's, that's kind of what he's saying here. So if I don't let the sun set on my anger, I am walking in righteousness. And righteousness protects me. But if I say no way, I don't care that I was wrong or you were wrong. I'm not fixing this thing. You're going to fix it. And I go to bed angry. I open a door. See, righteousness doesn't protect me. Because outside of righteousness, I give the devil an opportunity. Does it make sense to you? Good. It's the first time that I ever exercised this scripture uh, years ago, Teresa and I were having a thing. You'd think that's all we did is have things. We actually almost never have things. I got my notes. Yeah, but if you were married to me, you'd have some things too. We had a thing, and we were in bed. Literally, we were in bed, both angry. And I'm laying in bed angry, and I hear, don't let the sun set on your anger and give the devil an opportunity. And I know the Lord's speaking to me because he doesn't want the devil to have an opportunity, right? And you know what I'm, my response is? You saying that to Teresa? (laughs) Seriously, I mean, I'm a grown man, right? Acting like a little child. And I'm laying there. And now, this is how this would have played out, right? Without the Lord. I just, you know, I just stayed mad because it was all her fault. And she just stayed mad because it was all my fault. There's no middle ground in these stupid things. And then we'd have woke up in the morning and we'd have coexisted and been miserable. And then the next day we'd have been a little less miserable, but there'd be no joy in the house and probably, you know, short attention span me. By the third day, I don't even remember why I'm mad at her anymore. And and we kind of gradually find our way back into a a better place, right? But the devil says, or the devil says, but, but God says, don't let the sun sit on your anger. So after I fought with God for a while, I rolled over. You know, and I, I gave Teresa a little bit of a hug. And it was like I was hugging, I don't know, maybe this music stand right here. <laughs> the response was about what the music stand could give you. So I rolled back over. See, Lord, I told you, you need to talk to her. <laughs> don't let the sun set on your... Can I just tell you something? I was better at this early on, and Teresa's better at this now. Which really bugs me because I'm the husband. I'm the head. I'm supposed to be, I'm not supposed to wait for her. That's a whole nother, that's a whole, well, yeah. (laughs) A big old flaming arrow then. (laughs) The point is, he kept speaking to me. So I I went over, you know, snuggle some more, a little kiss, I love you, you know. It's basically nothing. After maybe 10 minutes, her hand just kind of comes back, you know, and oh my gosh. And then after maybe five more minutes, we're both crying, holding each other, deeply in love, and the whole thing is gone. The Bible also says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he, the devil, will flee from you. Guess, guess who had to leave our bedroom that night? Yeah, come on. Right? It's so practical. And what did we gain back? We gained back three days of our life, right? And, and there's, always, there's always maybe a tiny little bitter root somewhere in your heart, you know? And, and what happened was... The anger opened the door, right? If we didn't submit to the Lord, the door mostly gets closed. But now there's a little crack in there. When we submit it to the Lord, the door closed all the way. And there's no little bit more for the devil to work with in our relationship. That's what it means to walk in righteousness. When righteousness is your breastplate, it's because you are being righteous. Okay? 
I hope I'm not messing up scriptures. I think somewhere you know, towards the back, maybe one of the Peters or James says that you're righteous when you walk in righteousness. Right? There's two kinds of righteousness that we have. One is when we, when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, we become righteous in God's eyes. His righteousness is imputed to us unto our eternal salvation. But our behavioral righteousness is only just getting started at that point. So as we, as we learn more and as we are renewed in our minds more, as we are transformed more from glory to glory in the likeness of Jesus, we actually walk in righteousness. And it's when we walk in righteousness that we don't create an opportunity for the devil to come in and mess with us. Okay, faith. The lie says you're a loser, you'll never amount to anything. Okay? So maybe that was somebody that's, you know, maybe I screwed up something at work and my boss says you're a loser, you know, you're never going anywhere in this company. Or, or maybe, you know, I, I did something wrong or I even didn't do something wrong, but my dad had a bad day and, you know, he cursed me with his mouth. And that flaming arrow, now the devil's got something to try to work with inside my mind. To get me to agree with that. Because if I agree with that, am I ever going to try to be anything? If I think I'm never going to be anything, I won't make any effort to be anything. God can't use you, whatever the lie might be, right? But here's what the truth says in that context. I'm the light of the world, a city on a hill. My good works will be seen by men and glorify my Father in heaven. That is just the truth. If Jesus is inside there, the Holy Spirit's in me, I am the light of the world. So you can say I'm a loser, and you can say I'll never amount to anything, and now I can decide which one of you I'm going to believe. The devil telling me I'm a loser, or God telling me I'm the light of the world. And then I say, well, I don't seem like the light of the world. I just almost had my wife stumble this morning. doesn't matter. What's the word say about me? It says I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Sometimes it's a little bit, sometimes it's a lot. But I'm not going to come into agreement with the lie. Because when I come into agreement with the lie, I empower the lie. The truth says, but you don't understand me. It's like, I don't have to know anything about you. All I have to know is the truth and what it says about you. So the shield of faith, take up the shield of faith with which you will extinguish the flaming arrows or the fiery darts of the evil one is literally faith. Here comes the flaming arrow. You're a loser. If I say, no, I'm not. I'm a child of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God spent more thoughts on me than he has grains of sand on this whole earth as he thought about who my person would be. Guess what happens? Faith extinguishes the flaming arrow. But if I start to think this way and allow it, then it got past my shield of faith. Because my shield of faith isn't a shield so much as it's faith. I have faith in what God says more than I have faith in what the devil says, and I don't care who he uses to say it. That's the way faith protects us. The fourth one that we'll talk about, and then we're almost done, is God's word. Paul says, the sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? It's the only piece we have that feels like an offensive weapon. Although I guess, you know what, if you want to hit me with a lie, I can whack you with my shield, right? Put a bruise on your head. It, it's, he says the, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And then Jesus says, when he's praying to his Father, Jesus says, your word is truth. What's the answer? It's truth. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. If you think about it, it all boils down to truth, right? Right? You gird your loins with this belt. 
that's truth, right? You have this shield that they, that's faith, but faith is only effective when it operates in right. What's the, the, the root place that the, the, the devil tries to work all the time is fear, insecurity, fear. What about fear? I don't know, fear. Fear, it all can boil down pretty much to fear. And what is fear? It's faith over here. How? I st- <laughs> can I tell a story about you? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> What's <going>? <laughs> <laughs> we, we spent time on Keith's roof this week. You know, he, he needed a new roof on his house, and you know, we scraped off all the shingles and put the stuff up there. And you know, he, had, he had the money to buy the stuff, and he said, God knows how I'm going to make my mortgage payment this month, but I don't. But he knows he's going to make his mortgage payment. You know why? Because he's placed his faith in God's ability to provide, which he has done every month probably for how many years when you didn't know how you were going to make your mortgage payment, but you did, versus putting his faith in fear that says, I don't know what's going to happen. They're saying, well, God can't provide for you. And God says, seek first my kingdom, or Jesus says about God, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and he just got done talking about everything that we need. And he says, all those things will be added to you. Don't worry about it. In the process of you doing his bidding, he does yours. Your word is truth. The shield, faith operates effectively when it's truth. Righteousness operates to guard us when we walk out truth. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is truth. If you get nothing else out of all of this, get that God's Word is true. And how many can say amen to the fact that, you know what, once I started practicing it, it always comes true. It really does, right, yeah. Margie and the rest of you that chuckle. <laughs> you should talk to Margie then. This is truth. It really is. The, the scripture in Proverbs, I love it so much. I go to it all the time when, I'm trying, when he's trying to get my faith to be in fear. When something doesn't make any sense to me at all, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. All right, God, I just don't, I mean, my natural man brain cannot see the line from this point to that point, but I trust you with everything, with everything, everything. I mean, sometimes I got to talk myself into it, but I don't care. I'm not going to identify with the lie ever. Even when I screw up in the worst kind of way, I just say, Lord, man, wow, there's something that needs to be cleaned up here. I might have a mess to clean up, but I refuse to identify that I am the mess. That, that, that I'll, I'll admit that he got me. He got one of those flaming arrows past my shield of faith and, and was able to pull my strings like a puppet and get me to do his will. But I am not him. I am this guy over here. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I am perfect in God's creation. And I will be perfect when I am presented to Jesus as his bride. All this other stuff is just the Junky spots and wrinkles, the dust that Mandy talked about last week that's going to get blown off so that the glory that God created is revealed in me, in you. That's the truth. See, because the place he's going to try to get you the most is in your identity, in who you are and whose you are. Well, you made 10 mistakes in a row, so you're not really his, you're his. Am not. I made 10 mistakes in a row. That's the only truth that you can get. 
I belong to Jesus. I belong to the Father. I made the confession. He sealed me with his Holy Spirit. His glory through me. I am the light of the world. It's good theology. I mean, it's really great. But it's like, wow, now I can understand Ephesians chapter 6 a little bit better. And I've always wondered what you know, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 meant. Now I know. It's all junk. If you don't understand, it's how you, it, it, it's, it's instructions. It's, it's, it's how you live your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm trying to remember and I forgot. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Why? It's instruction so that your path can be straight. You know, bouncing around and bouncing around. I can't figure out where I'm going. It's instruction. Oh, Lord, what's wrong? I can't get along with my wife. What do I do? What do I do? You got to help me. It's like, no truth. Let truth guide you. Let truth protect you. Let truth make your mouth stop talking sometimes because then your path will be straight and your relationship can be good. Be conscious that the attack is so subtle that you won't recognize it except that you know that it is because the Bible tells you that it is. It will seem like your thoughts. It will seem like them. And then you'll want to focus your ire at them when you don't understand that it's not them. They just, they're weak someplace. I'm weak someplace. And when he gets a hold of my weakness and I let down my faith, he gets to work me like a puppet And then my anger gets pointed towards a person, but it's not a person that's my problem. It's the devil that's my problem. If you want to be angry with somebody, get angry with him. Because he's the one who came to kill, to steal, and destroy in your life. And then praise Jesus for the truth, because he came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I'll just close you with this scripture. John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's it. It's all about truth. What you need is truth. What you need is the faith to trust truth and then to abide in truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, if you abide in me, you'll produce much fruit, good fruit, heavenly kingdom fruit that lasts. Amen? Amen. Amen. Man, I pray, I pray for myself and I pray for you guys that, that you're getting this because every, every stinky that I have with Teresa or she has with me or we have with Annika, it's so easy to be focused on each other when that's not the issue. And as long as we stay focused on each other, the issue never gets dealt with. It's only that we focus on the devil. We seek God and his kingdom, his righteousness. Those are the things that protect us. Faith, righteousness, the knowledge of our salvation, truth, God's word. Amen? Okay, let me pray a minute. And then, I don't know about the rest of you, if anybody else has been battling this flu thing, you know, if you need prayer for healing or if you need prayer for anything, I I just would invite you to come up here and and bring your thing to the Lord. And if you want someone to pray for you, just you know, wave your hand and we'll come pray with you. Okay? Okay. Father God, thank you. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that you have fully equipped us for this battle. Thank you that you've given us Holy Spirit to lead us to all truth. Jesus said that he would remind us of all the things that Jesus said. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're reminding us of all the things that Jesus said. I pray, Lord, that we would surrender ourselves to truth, that we wouldn't be focused on one another as our enemies or our issues. Our enemy is Satan. 
Our enemy is his demon resources. I pray that each and every one of us will walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I pray that each and every one of us will have victory. All of our faith, all of our trust in you. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke any kind of insecurity in the name of Jesus. I rebuke any thought that says that you don't have the desire and the ability to meet all of our needs in the name of Jesus. And I ask a blessing, Lord, over each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, that we take this teaching, that we take your truth and we apply it to every part of our lives, that we would truly be the light of the world, shining all over this dark place so people can see your glory and your goodness and be drawn unto you. Jesus said, just like the the snake that was on the staff, and if he be raised up, that all men would be drawn unto him. Lord, use us to raise you up as humble, humble little razor-uppers. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an awesome, awesome week.